The other day I was thinking about friendships and key leaders in my life, and can I tell you, I have been blessed. I have godly leaders and mentors in my life. From an early age, I recognize the importance of following the right leaders. I'm so thankful for for Charles Higgs and Gary Heatherly, who gave me my first opportunity to, for, in ministry and my first opportunity to preach. My very first sermon I ever preached was in a church of about 800 on a Sunday morning as a 15-year-old teenager. And they trusted me enough to give me an opportunity. I'm thankful for Chris Borden, for Dennis Land, and and Rod Loy, who taught me principles about ministry and communication and leadership. You see, I have wonderful friends. I was serving as a junior high youth pastor at an AG church when when a missionary named Dwayne Grider spoke to the church. He was a passionate speaker, and as he was speaking, I very clearly sensed that God was telling me that I needed to connect myself to him. As soon as service was over, I ran to my truck and got a checkbook and came back. Now, for you teenagers, a checkbook is this thing that you write in. It's paper, and you write it out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. And so I went out to my truck, and I grabbed my checkbook, and I came back. And I told Dwayne, man, I think God wants me to support you. As a new teacher without a lot of money, as as a volunteer junior high youth pastor, I made my very first missions pledge, $10. It wasn't much, but I knew that I was being obedient. Today, over 13 years later, Dwayne is still one of my best friends. We've worked together and we have served together reaching one of the toughest crowds, bikers. You may remember that they were with us this past year and and we gave them a motorcycle in our service. You see, Dwayne is a long-term faithful friend. Adam Fogelman is a missionary to South Africa. He's another one of my best friends. Adam and I met about 13 years ago when we were both youth pastors we quickly realized that we shared a passion for reaching students and people who have never heard about God. You see, even while he's in Africa, Adam and I speak regularly. I am so thankful for long-term relationships and friendships. See, I've got all kinds of of relationships on all kinds of levels. Some that I lead, some lead me, And some are walking this journey with me, but all of them are special. Every once in a while, someone will talk to me discouraged that they don't seem to have very many close friends. And they want to know how deep relationships are built. All of my relationships, from my mentors to family to team members to friends, were all built the same way. There's really only one way to build a lasting relationship. And building a lasting relationship takes time and it takes effort. People tell me, well, not us. We had an instant connection. We've been close since the very first day that we met. Now, listen, I understand that that's possible. But the only way that you stayed close was by spending time talking and listening, sharing your hopes, your dreams, your fears, and your failures. Maybe you've got a friend where, who it doesn't seem, no matter how much time it's been since you last saw them, you seem to pick up right where you left off. 
I'd argue that at some point along the way, you've invested deeply in that friendship, building a foundation so that that relationship stands the test of time and distance. And so picking up right where you left off isn't a phenomenon. All healthy relationships are the product of time and effort. Listen, you can't be close to someone without talking and listening. You can't be connected at the heart if, you, if you've never had a heart-to-heart talk. Building real meaningful and lasting relationships takes time and effort. If you drift apart and you don't talk for a few months or a few years, then the relationship can grow stale. Now, see, we understand that when it comes to people. But for some reason, we, we don't seem to make the connection to our relationship with God. One semester, I was working my master's degree, and, and I decided to change my rhythm up a little bit. I was taking about 18 hours at school, and at the graduate level, nine hours is considered full-time. And so I was taking double the course load. In addition to that, I was working full-time as a pastor, I was also still serving in the army chaplaincy, and all of that was on top of being a dad and a, and a husband. The reality is my schedule was crowded, and I began to feel distance between God and I. And the reason was because I wasn't spending as much time with him. So that semester, I decided to begin to get up early every day and spend that extra hour that I would normally spend sleeping and reading God's word and prayer. You see, it wasn't long before I began to feel closer to God than I'd ever been before. Still today, even though I'm in full-time ministry, if I miss a day or two of personal connection with God, I don't feel right. I don't feel peace. I don't feel connected and plugged into him. You see, if I I don't spend time daily, then I don't feel like I'm plugged in and, and feel current in that relationship. You see, to stay close to God, I've got to spend daily time with him. And I think most of us understand that on some level. Right? The challenge is how? How do you do that? How do you stay connected to God every day? What do you do? What do you say? Now listen, you shouldn't be embarrassed to ask that. Jesus' disciples asked the very same thing. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus did. He taught them, and he taught us how to pray. Now, part of the reason that we struggle with how to pray is that we hear expert prayers. Right? This is the person that's got all the these and the thous and the wherefores and the almighties down pat, right? They're, they're the person that when they pray, you have no clue what they just said. When they pray, sometimes it sounds like God is speaking. It can be intimidating. Oh, dearest Heavenly Father, I beseech thee for thy divine attentiveness. Receive my sincere adulation as I celebrate your celestial glory. Let the heavenly realms be opened and allow me to receive thy vicissitudes upon my celebration and proclamation of your divine nature. Amen and amen.
vicissitudes. I don't even know what that means. Man, maybe it may not be that bad, but some people sound like they really know how to pray. Your, Your prayer doesn't have to sound like God is speaking. Prayer is supposed to sound like you speaking because that's exactly what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. You see, you can talk to God the same way that you talk to me. Actually, I hope that you talk to God better than you talk to me. My goal in this series is to help you to get comfortable talking to God. I want you to make prayer a a regular daily part of your life. I shared with you last week that, that our leadership team, we, we have a real sense that our church and our people are, under a, are in a spiritual battle, right? That Satan's really fighting against us. And after last week, many of you have confirmed that feeling that, that you were in the midst of a battle as well. Listen, prayer is a key weapon in the fight. And more than ever before, we need to know how to pray. And Jesus answered the disciples' question, Lord, teach us to pray with this prayer. You may know it as the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to read it together in just a minute. Now, this week, I want you to actually read the words that are on the screen. Okay? Because you might have learned this in different translations, but we're going to read it just as it is behind me. If you will read it out loud with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we're going to memorize this prayer, not because these are the exact words that you have to say while you pray. You probably don't use words like hallowed and thine very often. I want to take the pressure off of you. You don't, have to, you don't need these exact words or phrases in order to pray. You see, talking to God is not like talking to my truck. My truck has something called CarPlay. The theory is great. I connect my my phone or my iPod to it, and I can push a button on my steering wheel, and I can control it with my voice. The problem is, if I don't say the exact phrase, my truck gets mad at me, and it begins to yell at me. I'll say something, and it completely messes it up and does something else. The voice rebukes me and corrects me. And I find myself driving down the road yelling at my truck because it won't play the song that I want or it won't call the person or text the person that I am wanting to talk to. Maybe you've experienced something like that when you talk to Alexa or Siri. Hey Siri, call mom. Which mom? Mom. Mom. What do you mean, which mom? Come on. Hey Siri, play worship music. I don't see worship in your contacts. Should I look for businesses with that name? Hey Siri, give me directions to the church. Okay, here's one direction. Oh, uh, what? Hey Siri, we can't be friends anymore. That doesn't sound good. Listen, God is not like talking to a phone or a car. You don't have to know the exact words or a secret formula to pray in order to talk to God. What you say isn't the point of prayer. The goal is to spend time with God. 
Listen, we're not learning this for a word for word. Say this every time you pray ritual. Instead, we're going to take it phrase by phrase as a pattern. I'm going to share with you how to use the Lord's Prayer to pray to guide your daily interaction with God. Last week, we looked at the first part. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Listen, start your time with God with praise, thanking him for who he is, for what he's done, and praising him for the blessings that he has given you. Thank him for loving you and for allowing you to have a personal relationship with him. I pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I begin thanking him. I don't have a list. I don't say the same things every single day. I just start by saying thank you. Listen, it's a great way to start a conversation with people. And it's a wonderful way to start a conversation with God. And I love this line from Gerard Lofkink's book. It says, the Lord's Prayer was meant to be used by the disciples. Every line is about disciples forgetting their own desires and plans for their lives and desiring only what God wills. In that sense, it is a dangerous prayer for anyone who prays it. Today, we look at the second step in the pattern. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom, his will, and his plan. That's what I want for me That's what I want for my family, and that's what I want for this church. I want God to establish his kingdom among us. You see, one of the biggest challenges that that I have of being a pastor is, is all the ideas and opinions that people have about what should be done and how things should be done at church. If I took every single idea and suggestion, then we would have a wacky and schizophrenic church. If Pastor Tina had her way, we would have a Starbucks in our church. If I had my way, we would have a Brahms in the lobby. If Keith Webb had his way, then every offertory would be heavy metal music from the 80s. If Ashley had her way, then every worship service would would be banging with the latest lights and and smoke and, and haze. Listen, there are a ton of ideas about how church can be done. Some of them are good, and some of them are bad. But listen, I don't take a poll to determine what we should do as a church. Instead, I pray, God, this is your church. God, thank you for allowing me to lead your church for this period of time. But God, this is not my church. This is not our church. This is your church. Please show me your will. Show us what you would have me to do. Help us to follow your way, not our way. Now, listen, some of your ideas are good, and and some of my ideas are okay. But can I tell you, I like God's plans better than mine. It is his church after all. I want to lead his church his way. You see, you can, play this, you can pray the same thing over your business. God, this is not my business. It's your business. Show me what you want me to do. Show me your will and your plan. You can pray this over an opportunity. God, thank you for this opportunity. I recognize that it comes from you. Show me your will. Help me to follow your plan and not my plan. You can and you should pray this way over a relationship. 
God, show me what you want me to do. I have these feelings. Show me your will and your plan. I don't trust my feelings. I don't trust my will. Please show me yours. I want what you want. You see, this is one point in the prayer where I pray for my children. I pray for my family. I pray for our church, and I pray for you. I pray, God, not my will, but thy will be done. I've got some big plans and thoughts, but I want your will. Help me, God, to see your will. Help my sons and my daughters to seek after your will and not theirs. God, I pray, God, and I search for your will. God, I pray for your direction and your plan would be as strong desire in their life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Help me, help us, and help them to know your will. You see, sometimes you get caught up in what you want and what you like, that you forget the goal is his will. Don't you prefer that anyways? His will over your will? His kingdom over your kingdom? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, then that should be your desire and your prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, that's one of our biggest prayers. God, show me your will. What do you want me to do? Right? It's also one of the biggest questions. How do I know the will of God for my life? How, how can his will be done in my life? How do I make sure? You see, for God's will to be done, several things have to happen. The first is you have to obey his instructions. Disobedience to God's instructions will never result in his will being done. It's amazing to me. A guy will tell me, I, I really feel like she is God's will for my life. I'm supposed to marry her. And I'll ask some questions, and, and finally I'll get around to, so is your relationship sexually pure? And the response that I get is often, what do you mean? Well, and just by that response, I already know the answer, but I'll ask, have you had sex before marriage? Come on, use some common sense. How can your disobedience to God's instructions result in his will being accomplished? You work against his will. God's will is never brought about through your disobedience. Pastor Rod told us about a church planner um, that he coaches that had plans to, to purchase a building. It was a good plan. The only problem was that the plan involved violating an instruction in God's word. For the plan to succeed, the pastor had to lie. To his credit, he felt uncomfortable. He emailed Pastor Rod the plan, and Pastor Rod called and asked him, can our disobedience to his word bring about his will? Of course not. So the pastor abandoned the plan that was quite obviously not God's plan. Listen, I've heard plans for finances and businesses and relationships all with the goal of being God's will. The problem was the plan included disobeying their way into God's will. Listen to me, church, it never works. 
God has a plan for your finances. God has a plan for your relationships. God has a plan for your future. And God has a plan for your family. But never forget, you cannot disobey your way into God's will. To which you say, okay, Jason, if it's clear in the Bible, I accept that. But what if it's not a sin issue? When I need to know which way or which person or which path to take, how do I obey his instructions then? Listen, to obey God's instructions, you have to hear his voice. Let me clarify, it's not a literal voice, the voice of God speaking out loud. Listen, I've never heard God speak out loud audibly. Maybe you have, um, but I've never heard that thundering voice. God can still do that. He just hasn't done that with me. More often than not, though, God's voice might be a whisper in your heart while you're praying. It might come as a deep feeling in your spirit as you're reading your Bible. It might come to you while I'm speaking and you just have a sense of what he wants you to do. You see, to do God's will and obey his instruction, you have to hear his voice. And to hear his voice, you have to listen. One of the first Bible stories that I learned came from 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. I want you to underline that sentence. The word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was laying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lay down. And so he went back and laid down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call, go back and lay down. Now, Samuel grew up in the temple. He was spending his life in service to the church. He was busy doing good church things, but he didn't recognize the voice of God. You see, he thought Eli was calling him. But before you're too hard on Samuel, let's take a look at Eli. Even though it had happened twice, Eli didn't even consider that it was God that might be calling Samuel. He thought the boy was having a dream or hearing things, and he just sent him back to bed. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And we want to look at Eli and say, Way to go, Eli. It's about time you figured it out. Verse 9. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Now, God spoke when Samuel intentionally stilled himself and listened for God's voice. So I want you to notice that that happened when the word of the Lord was rare. God spoke to a young man. 
Those of us who are older must realize and accept and believe that God speaks to those who are younger. Listen, after spending last week at camp with with our students at youth camp, I'm excited to follow them as they follow God. They are listening for God's voice. And can I tell you, God speaking to students isn't limited to just youth. God speaks to kids, young kids as well. When we first moved here to Mejia, we were talking about something, and we said something. I don't even remember the conversation, but we asked Jonathan, we said, how did you know that? And he looked at us, and he was three at the time. He said, well, Dad, God speaks to me too. As parents, we can never forget that. God told Samuel, I'm about to do something that will make everyone's ears tingle. See, the voice of the Lord was about to be heard again in Israel. And God came to a kid working in the temple. He was just an ordinary kid. And God found Samuel, someone who was willing to listen to his voice. You see, that's the pattern throughout Scripture. He's always speaking. He's just looking for someone, anyone who's willing to listen and respond to his voice. So to obey God's instructions, you have to hear his voice. To hear his voice, you have to listen. And to listen, you have to spend time with him. People say, I'm really struggling to find God's will for my life. My first question is, tell me about the time that you spend with him. The reply is often, time that I spend, what do you mean? Listen, if you want to to listen to me, you have to spend time with me. You can't hear my physical voice unless you put yourself in a place to listen. It's the same with God. In order to hear his voice, you've got to spend time with God. You've got to be in conversation with him. Listen, that's why a daily time of prayer is so important in your life. That's why this part of the Lord's prayer is so important. You can hear God any time during the day. It doesn't just have to be during your daily quiet time. You can be walking around and talking with God. You can talk to God as you drive to work or you drive to school. You can pray in the gaps of your day. Do you know what I mean there? When there's nothing going on, you've got a quick second. You can constantly just be talking to God. Listen, God is always speaking. We just have to get in the habit of always listening. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray this way. God, show me your will. Show me your plan. Show me what you want me to do. Show me the way. I don't want my kingdom or my will. I want your kingdom and your will. And do you know what happens when you consistently pray that way? God will show you. You will have direction, a sense of what he wants to do. You say, okay, great. Well, how many times does that take? If I do that today, can I know his will tomorrow? Listen, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. Spend time with him. So I just pray and then I do what I feel? Yeah, with a few safeguards. God's will always lines up with God's word. Remember that, that you, can't disobey your, you can't disobey God into his will. You should always check your word from God with the word of God. 
They must always be in agreement. Why? Because what God says, he will never contradict what he has already said. You can't trust your feelings, right? Your feelings often lead to mistakes. Think of all the stupid things you've bought over your lifetime because you had a feeling, right? Think of all the dumb relationships you've been a part of because you had a feeling. You can't trust that. Check your direction with spiritual leaders in your life who love you and have your best interest at heart. And so you check with your spiritual leaders and then you check it against the word of God. But with those safeguards, you can confidently proceed knowing it's not your will, but it's his will. And here's a huge key. In order for his will to be accomplished, you have to be willing to abandon your will. You see, often this is why you don't experience God's will and his plan for your life. Why? Because you're too busy chasing your will and your plan. You say things like, well, I've always dreamed of. I have to do it because I've always dreamed of it. Or I want to make lots of money. This speaker that was at our camp this week um, was at college planning to, to make a lot of money going into business when he felt God called him to leave school and to go to Bible school. He had to choose between money or God's plan. So you pray this way, God, I'll set aside my goals, my plans, and my dreams for your goals, your plans, and your dreams. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, you've got a lot of plans. God's plans are better. You've got dreams for your life. Listen, God's dreams are better. You've got some good ideas Listen, God's ideas are better than yours. God's will for your life is better than your will for your life. You say, but Pastor Jason, what if I never have the things I want? Or what if I never get to do the things I, I want to do? Now I'll concede that's possible. But let me ask you, is it possible that your Heavenly Father has plans for you? that are even better than the plans that you have for yourself? Listen, that's biblical. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Listen, to know God's will, you have to obey his instructions. You have to hear his voice. You have to listen. You have to spend time with him, and you have to be willing to trade your will for his will. Wouldn't you like to know what God's will for your life is? Isn't that what we all want? Right? Don't you want to know God's will for your life? Do you want to know God's will for your relationship, your marriage, your family, your business? If you want to know, then make it a part of your prayer every single day. Pray as Jesus taught, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I've got some big decisions coming up in the next few months. Do you want to know what I've been praying? Lord, let your will be done. 
Lord, let your will be done. Why? It doesn't matter what I want. I simply want God's will done in my life. You see, I want to obey God's will. And I want to obey God's plan. And so I ask him, Lord, let your will be done and let your kingdom come. You say, Pastor Jason, what if God's will isn't my will? Man, that's a problem, isn't it? You see, when we trust him, when we submit ourselves to him, the Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart. You say, awesome, I desire a Corvette. Doesn't quite work like that. You see, when you trust in the Lord and you submit yourself to him, what happens is he begins to change the desires in your heart. And all of a sudden, he'll give you those desires. You're worried about that God's will won't be your will. When you're praying that way and you're searching for his will, then his will is your will. And you look at it and you say, of course, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. That's the direction I want to follow. Of course it is. Now, will you see that in this moment? I don't know. You might, you might not. But looking back, you'll say, I'm so glad that I obeyed his will and his direction for my life. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray with you. Today as we're speaking, some of you maybe that are in here have realized that you've never truly submitted yourself to God. Or maybe you submitted yourself a long time, but you stayed submitted to him and his will. And today you would say, Pastor, today I want to commit to surrendering my life to Jesus, either for the first time or again. And you'd say, Pastor Jason, would you just pray with me? Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I see your hands there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For others of you, maybe you've got a big decision coming up. There's a decision that's got to be made, and you want to know God's will in that decision. Maybe you've already been praying about it. But you'd say, Pastor, pray with me. We've, we, we've got a, a big decision, and we just want to know God's will in the midst of it. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, thank you. God, today I thank you, God, for men and women. God, that number one, have recognized that they're not submitted to you. 
God, they're not fully surrendered to you. God, and today we pray, God, that as they submit to you, God, that you'll begin to speak to them. God, and as you begin to speak to them, God, that they would hear your voice, God, that they would recognize your voice, God, and they would listen. God, I pray over those who have some big decisions to be made. God, that at the end of the day, just want your will to be done. God, I pray that you would make it obvious. God, your will for that situation. God, for that decision. God, we pray that they would hear your voice crystal clear. God, I pray over all of us, Lord, that in our lives, Lord, it wouldn't be our will, our plans, our dreams. But God, we pray for your will, your plans and your dreams. God, over our families, God, over our spouses, over our children, God, over our relationships. God, and over your church. God, as I often pray, Lord, this is not my church. This is not our church. God, this is your church. God, we don't want our plans for your church. God, we want your plans for your church. God, help us to be submitted to your will, to be submitted to your plans, and to be submitted to your dreams. God, because we know that when we trust you, God, when we seek you, when we're following you, when we're being obedient, God, that you reveal yourself to us. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.